I recently finished a novel by Laurie King called The Beekeeper's Apprentice, told from the point of view of a character named Mary Russell. Mary is an extremely curious, intelligent, troubled, and courageous young woman who, in this story, happens to meet an aging Sherlock Holmes and eventually teams up with him to solve a mystery. Today I would like to read the novel to you and act out portions, so get get comfortable. (laughs) Okay, I'll spare you that. I mentioned that novel because it is but the first in a series of 16 books so far. And it struck me that I also have a book on hold at the library called Mycroft and Sherlock about Sherlock Holmes and his brother by none other than basketball legend Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Anna Waterhouse. And that's the second in a series. And not so long ago, I purchased a collection of stories called The Improbable Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, including stories by a host of writers from Stephen King, uh, author of It, who you heard earlier, to Anthony Burgess. And after reading the Arthur Conan Doyle stories themselves many years ago, I have since read further Sherlock Holmes adventures by Nicholas Meyer and Mark Chabon and Anthony Horowitz and Caleb Carr. And that is not even to mention the number of movies and TV shows with Benedict Cumberbatch and Johnny Lee Miller and Robert Downey Jr. and Jeremy Brett and Michael Caine and Basil Rathbone and Ian McKellen, all playing different versions of this single fictional character. Guinness World Records has listed Holmes as the most portrayed movie character with more than 70 actors playing the part in over 200 films. This vast array of stories sometimes moves Holmes through time to the present day or into the future, sometimes pairs him up with real-life characters such as Sigmund Freud or Henry James, focuses on a variety of factors, facets of his character, from his addiction to cocaine to his troubled relationship with his family to his possible bipolar diagnosis, and readers and watchers and fans and devotees and Sherlock Holmes purists continue to argue about what is authentically Sherlockian and what is not. And as I thought about this, the only other single figure I could think of that has engendered this kind of ongoing fascination and multiplicity of interpretation is Jesus. And the question I have is why? What is it about these two? Now, I know that obvious differences will be pointed out. That one is fictional and the other was a real person. But when you look at the number of widely varying imaginative speculative pieces written about Jesus that have no basis in history and the way that some enthusiasts protectively guard the figure of Sherlock Holmes against what they consider heretical interpretations or portrayals, the lines begin to blur. And what I am trying to understand is why both inspire multiple rebirths, their stories retold and reimagined over and over and over again. And they are usually, for me, always interesting and engaging and provocative. 
And of course, the reason I'm talking about Sherlock Holmes at all today is because the theme for this month is mystery. And Arthur Conan Doyle, with his creation of this character, Sherlock Holmes, is often credited, at least in large part, with making mystery a literary genre all its own. And according to an article I read recently, one of the highest selling genres in all of publishing, second only to romance slash erotica. (laughs) That's a whole other sermon. But mystery, life is full of mysteries, mysteries that sometimes leave us awestruck and inspired, and we'll talk about some of those in the weeks ahead. But life is also full of mysteries that can leave us frustrated, distraught, confused, even crushed. Mysteries that leave us wondering, how could that happen? Why? Did that happen? Sherlock Holmes gives us hope that even mysteries that seem insoluble are not. Holmes and Jesus promise that at the other side of mystery, truth can be discovered. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free, says Jesus. There is no treachery in the truth, says the character of Holmes in the Laurie King novel. There may be pain, but to face honestly all possible conclusions formed by a set of facts is the noblest route possible for a human being. And if the truth can sometimes seem hard to find, impossible to grasp, hopelessly hidden, Both Holmes and Jesus assert that it is actually hidden in plain sight. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you, or the kingdom of God is among you, which some scholars believe to be a more accurate translation. What you are looking for in vain is right there, right where you are. The evidence is right before your eyes, Holmes assures us as well as many of the detectives and investigators that followed in his wake. It is right before your eyes if you pay attention, if you truly see what you are looking at, if you stay aware. Both Sherlock Holmes and Jesus continue to intrigue us, I think, because they seem especially wise and insightful, And yet they seem to be saying their powers are not special at all, but available to everyone. And that is part of the satisfaction of reading most any mystery, right? It doesn't have to be Sherlock Holmes. Many of the well-known detectives and investigators of fiction, though sometimes markedly flawed human beings, they all know how to pay attention, to notice to resist quick assumptions that may distort or erase what is right before our eyes. The world may not be what it seems, but everyone has access to the truth if you know how to look. Sherlock Holmes, like a Zen master inviting us to simply breathe, affirms how easy it is in a single word, elementary. 
And when we read the story backward from their conclusions or insights or revelations, it seems like, yes, of course, everything was right there. This helps to explain the paradox that P.G. James points out, that most mystery stories have at their heart the crime of murder, often in its most horrific and violent form, yet we read the novels primarily for entertainment a comforting, even cozy relief from the anxieties, problems, and irritations of everyday life. Next, she hints at the ethical, theological content. The detective story she writes is concerned with great absolutes, death, retribution, punishment, Yet, in its clue-making, it employs as the instruments of that justice the trivial artifacts and incidents of everyday life. The detective story deals with the most dramatic and tragic manifestations of human nature and the ultimate disruption of murder, yet the form itself is orderly, controlled, formulaic, providing a secure structure with which the imaginations of writer and reader alike can confront the unthinkable. Many times these novels are called whodunits. While I understand how that nickname came about, I think it only tells some of the story about why people read mysteries. There are those people who indeed will toss the book aside if they figure out the identity of the murderer before the author has revealed it, but many are more interested in the puzzles that do not lend themselves to straightforward solutions. The puzzle of human beings and what we are capable of under particular circumstances. The truth is that a mystery novel that only answered who committed the murder would be less than satisfying. Finding out who is one piece, but a far more important question, the question that captivates us from the time that we can ask questions is why? Why? And how? Not simply the how of how the murder was committed, but the how of how do people end up committing such horrible acts? Colonel Mustard used the revolver to kill Mr. Body in the kitchen. Yes, but dear Colonel, how did you come to a point where you were standing in the kitchen holding that revolver and how did you ever bring yourself to pull the trigger? How do people end up as murderers, as victims? How do people who presumably only wish to find some happiness in life as we all do, how do such people find themselves devastated by brutal acts? sometimes by their own hand, so desperately far, so hopelessly distant from the happiness they sought. A member of the congregation I served in Arizona, who was a big mystery reader, described some of what inspired her, uh, this enthusiasm. A good mystery novel, she said, enables us to look at ourselves and our own motivations. In other words, though it may provide a comforting, even cozy relief from the anxieties, problems, and irritations of everyday life, as P.D. James says, it also can provide a way for us to return to our lives with a heightened awareness. 
the words of Kime Stern in the call to worship. I am afraid of things that cannot harm me, and I know it. I yearn for things that cannot help me, and I know it. What I fear is within me, and within me too is what I seek. We carry within us that which we fear. That spiritual truth lies around and about most every mystery novel, too. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you, says Jesus in the Gospel of Thomas, a gospel that is not included in the New Testament. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. But if you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. And many mystery novels portray that in literal terms. They demonstrate the potentially devastating consequences of an unexamined life, the destructive power of secrets on everyday people, people not so different from you and me. A good mystery often explores characters through geographical and physical location. Where do we come from? Through personal, familial, and social identity, what are we? And through dreams, ambition, and intention, where are we going? Where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? There are hardly more basic questions. Granted, a mystery novel sometimes clarifies these in much neater ways than life allows, but it also provides the space to reflect on the mysteries that accompany us throughout our existence. And finally, I think mysteries, slyly, under the guise of entertainment, allow us, Unitarian Universalists, to reflect on some of those concepts that we have shied away from in a theological context. Evil, for example. The poet W.H. Auden, who apparently also was an avid mystery reader, he wrote, evil is unspectacular and always human and shares our bed and eats at our own table. Again, what we fear is within us. Evil is among us, but then so is truth. So is the kingdom of God. The detective story provides a secure structure with which the imaginations of writer and reader alike can confront the unthinkable. And confronting the unthinkable has the potential to be transformative. In everything that can be called art, there is a quality of redemption, said Raymond Chandler. Though some mystery writers may not aspire to the title of artist, their work can well hold a quality of redemption. Having allowed us to confront the unthinkable, to live through it on a vicarious level, they also may allow us to reflect on the resources that sustain us through even the most devastating of circumstances. Having allowed us to glimpse the frightening parts of ourselves, they may allow us to appreciate and nurture the best that we can be. 
having allowed us to witness the most shameful and selfish of our desires, they may lead us to cherish the nobility, generosity, and compassion that live right alongside those in this vast complexity we know as human nature. And above all, they can remind us to not only look, but to see to pay attention to what is before us, to remind us that truth can be found and that though the search for truth can feel chaotic and confusing and even futile, it is often much simpler than we imagine. It is, in fact, elementary. 